Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that we try to take different topics, share different insights. We try to give you an opportunity to really think about and reflect on your business, not just in the trenches doing the business. What I try to do is take different themes and topics that I feel are really relevant, relevant to what's happening in the times, but also what I'm seeing as I interact and touch literally hundreds of different remodeling businesses around the country. This podcast series is supported and sponsored by certainly my friends at Surefire, as well as with Professional Remodeler, Nary, and other leading organizations. Today, I want to talk about a topic that's somewhat of a different spin on a word. However, it's especially important, I think, to understand uh, what is happening out there and what the impact might be. The topic today is focusing on new habits. And I use the word specifically habits as opposed to what's the new normal or what are the changes out there. Because I do feel, based on the amount of time that is happening with certainly the virus, as well as many of the other economic uncertainties and certainly the unrest, it's creating a period of time that there are new habits forming. I was actually on a call with a thought leader recently, and they highlighted something that I think relates to this. And that is, it takes 66 days to form a new habit. If you think about, we've been at this for over three months now, and it's really the amount of time that we've been hunkered down or focused on all the issues out there that is forcing us, forcing us, forcing your client to develop new habits. And once you have a new habit, those habits are likely to change. It's not so much about getting back to normal, getting back to the way that we were doing things before. It's much more about what those new normal, what those new habits might be. So when you think about habits, first of all, it's, you know, you have a lot of habits in life. Some of them are very positive and some of them are very negative. Uh, there's eating habits. There's certainly substance habits. All those kind of things are potentially kind of negative habits, but those habits don't happen overnight. They happen over time. And over time, they become kind of a regular part of who you are. Similarly, I think when it comes to exercise and positive things, there's also habits. I oftentimes think about, you know, it takes usually two or three weeks if you're trying to get in shape to kind of move from that initial pain to start to get into that place where you start to get the runners high or you start to get energized in such a way that really the energy that you're getting from the exercise outweighs kind of the pain that's involved. So let's just talk about kind of some of these things as we change and move forward that might become new habits, new habits for your consumer, your clients, new habits for your team, and quite frankly, even new habits for you. And I've kind of put these in three different categories or buckets, and I want to unpack each one for you. However, more importantly, I want you to think about and try to observe 
What are some of those new habits for your clients, for your team, and certainly for yourself? The first one I see out there right now is working remotely. Now, we've been talking about, you know, kind of stay home, working from home. But this new theme that I'm seeing of working remotely, it's not just a choice anymore. It's becoming a new habit that's out there. Now, if we look at this first from your consumer point of view, your clients, especially in the remodeling space, if in fact they're going to be working remotely in many parts of the country, they've already established you're going to be working remotely for the next three to six months. So this is not something that is going to go away, at least in the shorter term. And I would at least uh, uh, speculate that probably will in fact become more the new normal of working remotely. So if your clients are working remotely, number one, to work remotely, they have to have a level of, of acumen and a way of communicate, leveraging technologies, video conference, all those kind of things in a different kind of way than the past. Their schedule working remotely, where you've kind of seen this perfect storm of their personal lives and their families kind of weaving together in terms of working remotely. Uh, is different than it certainly was in terms of a clear path when, when, in fact, you meet with a client, interact with a client. You know, also the spaces within their home are really different. I think this notion of having just big, great rooms where everybody is just gathering together as opposed to more private areas within the home that they can, in fact, work remotely becomes kind of important. You know, even things like accessory dwellings are starting to have a new definition and how we think about them. It's not necessarily a place that you can rent or a place that maybe uh, a relative might move into. It's also potentially a space for a separate remote working environment to really have it be more effective for you. Working remotely, obviously, is also about your team. Your team, I think, uh, working remotely uh, has, has not only processed, I think, everything that's going on in different ways. Some people are trying to get the dance down and uncomfortable. There's cowboys out there that just love working remotely and want and actually will leave your company if, in fact, you dramatically change this work environment. Um, there's also, I think, when it comes to working remotely, there's, there's, that effectiveness and efficiency of working remotely. You know, you've got to make sure the culture is considered when you're working remotely. I was actually on a video conference yesterday where a technology-based company who's been certainly working remotely for many, many years now, not just in this pandemic, but they actually have regular weekly kind of hangouts where people can really get the benefit of hanging out together, uh, talking about almost anything and everything they want to talk about, and not necessarily just about specific agendas. So working remotely is about your team, your business. It's working remotely. It's certainly about your clients, but it's also about you and what is your mindset and tolerance when it comes to working remotely. Some of the folks I coach and work with in terms of how do you grapple with this in terms of getting people to get back into the office? Well, I encourage, you know, don't think of it as new policies that you're trying to put into place. 
Don't think of it as, as edicts, so to speak. Think of it more as conversations, those conversations that you have with the team. Those conversations are maybe a product of a task force you might set up to discuss this whole subject of working remotely is certainly a more effective way. Because I think the more that you try to jam it down their throats of it's time to get back to work, I think that might backfire on you. You might lose good, strong people who, quite frankly, have in fact been more productive than, than certainly not in working remotely. You know, the productivity needs to be measured more carefully if, in fact, you're working remotely. If you see a person around the office, if you're interacting with them in a different kind of way, you need to put more measures in place. You need to have more discussion of what are those key milestones that they need to achieve if, in fact, uh, we're going to have this remote kind of way. I also think because it is a lifestyle issue, certainly for you and for your client, for your team, uh, you can start to look at even the remuneration slightly differently. Look at some of the expenses slightly differently. You know, if you can reduce, for example, as many really good companies are doing, some of your leasing and real estate costs and those kind of things as, as a product of working remotely certainly has a benefit not only to the client, but also a benefit to the bottom line. So number two, and these all kind of overlap with each other, is the whole theme, I think, the new habit of going virtual. Now, I've had many, many discussions with folks that say, you know, clients want me back in the house. I don't really think this going virtual is going to be something that's going to last. Well, think back to the point that you would go during the Christmas shopping season and you'd be spending countless hours standing in line, waiting and doing all your shopping in shopping malls in different type of retail, physical sticks and brick stores. Now, not too many years later, you're doing probably 50, 70% of your shopping that's really done more virtually and online. And my point in saying that is not to say that all remodeling is going to be done virtually. My belief, at least, is that there's going to be kind of a hybrid, a hybrid of high touch and high tech. But the reality is, if you don't know how to go virtually, if you don't have the skills to go virtually, you are definitely going to fall short. What I've realized over the course of the last three months, and I've spent a lot of time on the going virtual subject, is it is a new sport. It is a different musical instrument. It is a new language that we're doing. And just like with football, as it compares to rugby, it may have a similar playing field. It may have a goal. It may have a goalpost. It may have a similar ball. And you need certain uh, skills to be able to run and throw the ball. The rules of the game are different. And if you can take a strong football player, you might be able to train them to be a strong rugby player, but it's going to take time to do that. So the real question in going virtual is how much time are you spending learning the new musical instrument, learning the new language? It's not about flipping the switch. It's a different thing. And I think if you can invest time and energy in learning this going virtual language, I think you will then have a choice. As society and certainly your consumer gets more interested and more familiar with being able to uh, have uh, design selections, be able to 
walk through the whole remodeling process to be able to even uh, do documents and signing and financing. All those kind of things can be done remotely and certainly can be done virtually. You're going to find, I think, your business model, but also the client experience starting to change. So going virtual is not just an option. It is part of the new habits that are to be developed, not only for you as a business, but also for your client as well. The third one that I want to talk about in terms of new habits that I'm kind of feeling and seeing, and also personally, like many of you, is I I really think we are looking at kind of our work-life balance in terms of new habits. I think this whole notion of of work time and play time is, in fact, being kind of disrupted. It's being disrupted partially because, again, we've been thrown a lot of curveballs, whether it's being at home, having our family at home, the school systems, all of those kind of things that have an effect. And when we put all these parts and pieces together with our work and certainly our personal lives, I think that balance is starting to shift. The good news is, I think for many, they're developing really good habits, really good balance in their habits, how they're looking at their day, how they're breaking apart their day, how they're even easing some of the work time into the evening in exchange for more family time in the middle of the day. You know, I think what we're going to find moving forward is there's going to be good habits and there's going to be bad habits as it relates to the work-life balance. And just like with the whole theme of habits at the beginning of this recording, I think it's critical that you think and you try to control what those habits are. So the more that you can think about your day and control your day and map out your day and fill your day with kind of a balance of those personal and professional and fulfilling activities, the more I think you can see some silver lining in in terms of many of the things that are happening out there. So in closing for this opening segment of our podcast today, uh, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty out there. We're driving, I think, and continue to drive through kind of almost like a fog. And when you're driving through a fog, what you have to do is you got to pull the accelerator back a bit. You got to slow down a little bit. You got to be careful because you don't know what's on the other end of that fog. And with that uncertainty, it's forcing us, I think, to push the pause button on ways that we're doing things in the past. And because of time, because of time, and now months and months into it, we're developing new habits. And those habits that we're developing, like many other habits that you're familiar with, can be very positive or they can be negative habits. I just would encourage, try to have the positive, not the negative habits. You know, oftentimes, as certainly the Washington Nationals coach said in the the World Series last year, you know, these crazy times, these bumpy roads, oftentimes lead to kind of beautiful places. And I think the more that you can control the process, the better we're going to be. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this opening segment. Uh, Again, we have some thought leader interviews that are always fun. And again, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series because there's a lot of richness of little topics that will help you really think about your business, not just do it. Take care, everyone. Welcome back. I'm 
Mark Richardson, your host, and today I have a very special thought leader guest. Uh, as you know, this segment of the show is much more about trying to give you some deeper insights for those in the industry that, like myself and others, we spend a lot of time, I think, touching many of the folks out, out there. Uh, my guest today is Tony Mancini. He's the publisher of many different uh, publications, but in particular of Professional Remodeler. And of course, Professional Remodeler Magazine is the magazine, kind of the go-to magazine, both for insights, but, but certainly as an educational tool. So, Tony, welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. So, Tony, needless to say, these are kind of unprecedented times. In my kind of earlier segment, I talked about some of the new habits that are starting to develop with the consumer and certainly with the team as, as well as in terms of some of the processes that are out there. And, you know, I wanted to kind of get a little bit of a pulse and have you comment on some of the key things that you're seeing out there really at, at any level in the industry right now. So let, let's just have a conversation about what, what is what does the world look like through Tony Mancini's eyes? Um, yeah, I'll tell you where I start because when, when you introduced me, you talked about um, the fact that we have other publications, professional remodeler, professional builder, and building design and construction. So we go across both uh, new construction, remodeling, and commercial. And the amazing thing to me is, and it's been around this virus overall, is we're all experiencing this thing at the same time, which makes it so kind of weird and unusual. But the, the two words I hear across each one of those markets, and very much in the remodeling market because it's in touch with the consumer, is health and safety. And I think the health and safety question is really twofold. It's health and safety when you're dealing with the consumer. So how are you ensuring that consumer, consumer when you're in it, when you're their house, that you're not bringing anything in? But just as important, the employees of your firm want to know it's going the opposite way too. So it's become, I think, a much bigger issue than what we originally had heard. And I don't think there's a project that we've heard across any of our markets and very specifically around remodeling where that health and safety question hasn't come up with how are you going to deal with this both right now, but I don't think it's going to go away. Uh, you, you talk about kind of habits and changing. I think this is going to become a new reality where the consumer is going to be hypersensitive to that issue in the marketplace. You know, it's interesting because I very much concur with what you just said is that there are many of the better remodelers that are actually asking the client to sign a pledge or a contract that they will abide by these health and safety protocols, not just their workers. And I, I, that is, I think, very, very unusual because the consumer now has, has uh, you know, risk and liability that they bring into the, into the equation just as much as the remodeler. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the ones that are really ahead of this curve a little bit have an actual document that they share with the consumer, but they also share it internally with their team so that everybody's on the same page. So before they do any work, they say, here's the protocols we're going to go through. You have to tell us whether 
there's anyone in your house that has had a fever, right? So you're right to your point. They're asking that. And then this is what we're going to do. And everyone's going to sign this document. And so that everybody basically is signing off on what they're saying is true. And then they can go ahead with the work and everybody feels safe from both sides to execute, you know, what, what they want to do. You know, another element of this too, Tony, and maybe you can com- comment on it, because I know one of, one of the leading brands that you work with, which is Kohler, uh, we were at a, an event, actually, you and I together, a Harvard event years ago, and the, uh, uh, one of the market researchers was talking about the, uh, the percentage of homeowners that is changing fairly quickly at that time that were germaphobes that it was up to about 50% of the homeowners kind of consider themselves germaphobes. And what's interesting is, to your point about health and safety, I think that's even heightened even more. Uh, And as a result, you know, you're going to have clients that are going to be focused not only on the conditions, but also the specific project within the house that potentially they can create, I think, reduce germs and have, and have, uh, you know, more safe conditions. Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting because it's another point that I've seen bubbling up a little bit and um, is this whole new kind of um, area called te- um, touchless technologies. Um, so things that you don't have to touch that work. And color was way ahead of the curve, right? When we were there, they're like, oh my gosh, we're looking at each other. Like people are really doing this. Um, but now, and COVID's done this in so many areas of our business, it's accelerated this technology where if people don't have to touch it, they don't want to. And it gives them that extra security of, okay, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not touching it. Excellent. So what's, what's another kind of ear to the ground thing that you're seeing out there besides the kind of the movement towards health and safety? Um, you know, We'd have to talk about virtual, right? You, you and I talk about it all the time, and you can't have yep. a conversation around that, you know, without getting into that. But I'll add an extra element to it, and it was from a couple of professionals that I talked to last week, is there's, there's two parts of this virtual that I think people really need to pay attention to. Number one is, hey, it's great to bring virtual technology into your business, but you better make sure that your staff is trained on how to use virtual effectively because it is not the same experience. It is replacing an experience that we all loved, but it is not the same experience. And how you communicate and how you talk and how you pause and what you say and when you say it and really how you look the whole nine yards and being on time, there's so many different elements to virtual that are different that you need a playbook for virtual just like you needed a playbook for an in-person type of experience. And I think people need, can't just go to the virtual, they got to go to the people side of virtual also. You know, what's interesting, and I think the word even you use is so right on track, is you need a playbook for it. You know, you need instructions for it. You need best practices for it. I think many people you ask, are you doing a lot more virtually? They answer very quickly like you flip a switch. But the real question is, are you real effective virtually? Are you able to have that same client experience or team experience virtual? And I think most people at this stage, the answer is not really, and they're working at it. But maybe 
you you obviously do a lot of things virtually. What 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 are one or two little tips that you find, for example, that might be interesting to you know the the many remodelers listening to this? Well, I I, I think that being on time is super important, and uh, you know, and what's well, the all... definition of on time? Because on time is actually a minute or two early. Because if you're late, two minutes late on a virtual, you are. It's like you know, affinity in terms of, of, of eternity in terms of being late. Yeah, people are kind of like, I guess they're not showing up. <laughs> this is this is done, right? We're not. We're not right. obviously not not having this meeting. I think there's a, there's a couple other things that that are really important. Is you know, not everybody is virtually savvy. We we know this because we do a lot of virtual stuff. Um, Making sure you either send a document to the consumer about how they use the virtual experience or what's going to happen and what the expectation is, like this is how you open it and this is what you need to do and this is how you turn your camera on. For us, you know, you and I have been home office for this home office stuff for us is is old hat. But for a lot of people, this is a learning curve they're going through on both sides of the fence. So it's not great if you're great at it and the person you're trying to talk to doesn't do it either. So there needs to be an education portion of it where you're making sure you're keeping those appointments by educating the consumer on how to do it efficiently also. Excellent. Now, that's, that's totally true, true. And, you know, the reality is I think those, like you said, like we are relatively proficient at it, realize there are also so many benefits to it. I mean, you're not out there sitting in traffic. You're ultimately saving a lot of time. And, you know, you can actually take a one-hour virtual meeting and do it in 30 minutes because there's not a lot of peripheral time that, that's kind of wrapped around it as well. Yeah, I'll give an example from our business, and uh, you're familiar with these, but we do what's called ProConnects. So they are speed dating, one-on-one business meetings where you form partnerships to move both your businesses forward. We always did them in, a, in person at high events, at a high-end um, resorts, and people would come for two to three days, and it was a very, very nice experience. There's no other way to describe it than that. But we just launched, yesterday was our first one, we launched our first virtual one on Zoom where we put people into private rooms. And with the feedback we got from the professionals and the building product manufacturers is, wow, this is only four hours, I can have 10 to 12 incredibly impactful meetings, and it really helps me move my business forward, and everyone is super safe, and you know you know exactly why you're there. So out of this disruption always comes innovation. We know that, but that's a perfect example of us using technology to move something forward and changing kind of the dynamic around it completely. You know, what's interesting too, Tony, is the two kind of what you're seeing out there examples, one being health and safety, and certainly going virtual. You know, I think many people kind of going into it might have said, oh my goodness, I'm changing. I've got challenges. I've got issues to deal with. But there's some real silver linings to it. At the end, if you can embrace these changes that Tony's talking about, you know, there's amazing positive things. As horrific as certainly the virus is, there's amazing positive things that can come out of this as well. So what what would might, what might be a third thing that you're seeing out there? Well, I, I think for the third one, it goes to leadership. And I think, um, you know, it's only been March, so what, we're 90 days into this new world. And it feels like 
uh, it feels like five years. I don't know how everyone else feels, but it feels like five years. It's been 90 days. And I think when I'm seeing really good leaders, they're preparing their teams for both the bad and the good, because this is not going to be a straight line. It's just not. We know there's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some ups and downs. We like where the markets are going. I mean, when we look at the Economist and what my editors are seeing in the marketplace, the, the rebound has been pretty exciting and, and, and has great potential. But you, you don't want to like think, set your sails and say, everyone, okay, we're off on a smooth ride. I think you, everyone gets at a different place at a different time and everyone's comfort level is different. So I think from the leadership point of view, your ability to take your temperature of your staff more frequently and even individually so that you bring people along with you, I think is going to become super important as we go through these next, probably t- till the end of the year. Excellent. You know, I was on a conference call yesterday with, uh, you know, some, some leaders. And one of the comments that was made by one of the board members was, you know, this is the first time in his 30 years as a leader that's been okay to say, I don't know. And I think the more that you can be transparent and brutally honest and empathetic, that you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So it's okay to, you know, focus on kind of the short-term victories, but there's a lot of things out there that we don't know. And I think the more a leader is honest about that as opposed to uh, as opposed to trying to put a lot of spin on everything, uh, you know, the more respected they're going to be. I, t- I totally agree. And I, you're right. That transparency word and letting people in on where you're going on the journey, because this is going to be a journey, I think is going to be very, very important. Well, I want to thank Tony Mancini. Again, Tony is the uh, publisher of the leading uh, remodeling, certainly publication, professional remodeler. And, uh, you know, he obviously is out there touching tremendous amount of remodelers, the distributors, the manufacturers, and, and certainly is involved in many, many different thought leadership type of groups. And I encourage you, you know, reach out certainly to Tony, the magazine, and as a resource. And again, I, I, I want to thank Tony, but also thank you all for really investing a little bit of time and spending time thinking about your business and not necessarily just doing it. So thanks for joining me today, Tony. Thanks. It was great to be on, Mark. I appreciate it. Great. So we're done. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 